following is a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel, Huntington Beach. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com. Lord, this morning, uh, maybe there's someone here uh, watching online or someone here this morning who's joined us in person and they don't know you and they don't even quite frankly know why they've come this morning. But Lord, I believe that you want to work on their hearts, that you want to draw them closer to you. And Lord, in so many ways to let them know who you are as a God who loves them deeply, who's come for them. And so Lord, I pray that, that that would be the case this morning as we look at your word, we'd have the right understanding of who you are this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying. Um, Last week, we talked about this Christmas season, and, and we talked about all the things that go into this Christmas season. And I said, you know, it's important as a, as a church, and I think believe in you as an individual, that you, that you begin to prepare your hearts for, for this season and what it's really all about. Because what we see happen is that there is so many things that goes on in on this Christmas season, right? Lights, Christmas trees, Christmas gifts, Christmas music, Christmas cookies, Christmas shopping. I mean, come on, right? So many Christmas things. And I made sure you knew that my family celebrates all those things. We do all those things. So I'm not saying those are bad things. But the reality is with so many other things that have to do with Christmas that oftentimes we get close to Christmas like, oh my gosh, it's also Jesus' birthday. So we should, we should go to church and celebrate that for a minute, right? But instead, my argument last week was that we should actually start early and speak often about the reason for the season, who is Jesus, that actually in our homes, that while we're celebrating Christmas trees and lights and gifts and cookies and music, that we should also mention the name of Jesus. That actually that should be part of the things that we prepare for in this Christmas season so that we are not by nature carried away by everything else. This morning, what I want to talk about is the reason why it's worth preparing for Jesus that why he's worthy of getting our families and our own hearts and our church ready to prepare for the coming of Christ, why he's worth it, why he's more valuable than lights and trees and music and gifts and cookies, why he's far more valuable than any of those things. And so this morning, I want to talk about why Jesus is worth preparing for. Now, before I do that, I also want to say this. I believe on a, a morning like this morning, as we talk about the name of Jesus, that there are some people here who believe in Jesus, of who he truly is, and a message like this this morning could be an anchor to your soul. What do I mean by that? That I mean that so many things are going on in our culture today, ups and downs, right? Highs and lows, and maybe even in your own life. Maybe this season in your own life brings around some sorrow and maybe some brokenness and some grief. And I would say a, a, a morning like this morning, as we look at who Jesus truly is, that Jesus can be an anchor to your soul, that he will keep you anchored. He's the rock on which we stand. That as my emotions and my moods go up and down, as my, my heart may be heavy, that I can anchor myself to Jesus because of who he is. And maybe this morning you're coming, and like I prayed, and, and maybe you're coming for the first time, and you're wondering why you're here. And you're thinking to yourself, my life is like that. It's up and down, up and down. And there's, there's hurts and brokenness and pain. And you're just looking for an anchor somewhere. 
My hope this morning for you is that this message by God's word and his spirit, would this message would bring you to understanding who Jesus is as an anchor to your soul. Here's what I want to start with, if you'll allow me. I want to read a story to you. Um, and the story is actually told by a, an author by the name of Donald Miller. He's an author, speaker, writer guy. Um, and he tells a story about going to this concert. And at this concert, the, there's the musicians playing. And then in between sets, the, the musician shares this story about a friend of his who was a Navy SEAL. And this Navy SEAL is with this group of other Navy SEALs, and they're going in to, to rescue some hostages. And here's how the story goes. It says this, They flew in by helicopter and made their way to the compound and stormed into the room where the hostages had been imprisoned for months. The room was filthy and dark. The hostages were curled up in a corner, terrified, when the seals entered the room, they heard the gasps of the hostages. They stood at the door and called to the prisoners, telling them that they were Americans. The seals asked the hostages to follow them, but the hostages wouldn't. They sat there on the floor and hid their eyes in fear. They were not of healthy mind and didn't believe their rescuers were really Americans. The seals stood there not knowing what to do. They couldn't possibly carry everybody out. One of the seals got an idea. He put down his weapon, took off his helmet, and curled up tightly next to the hostages. Getting so close, his body was touching some of theirs. He softened the look on his face and put his arms around them. He was trying to show them that he was one of them. None of the prison guards would ever have done this. He stayed there for a little while until some of the hostages starting to look at him finally meeting his eyes, the Navy SEAL whispered that they were Americans and were come to rescue them. He says, will you follow us? The hero stood to his feet. One of the hostages did the same, then another, until all of them were willing to go. The story ends with all the hostages safe on an American aircraft. Now, I remember hearing that story a while ago and then refreshed my mind this last week, and I think to myself, that's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story that God actually comes for us in this darkness and confusion and brokenness. We're like those hostages hiding away, afraid, and oftentimes broken and hurting and confused. And God walks into that, and he doesn't walk in and start yelling at us. He doesn't start with this angry face and scowl, start yelling at us. What does he do? He takes off his helmet, he puts the gun aside, and he gets down, and he puts his arms around us. He comes down to our level, and he begins to speak with us and direct our hearts closer to him. And then he says, listen to what he says, follow us. Listen, follow me. Come and follow after me. In the same way that those Navy SEALs came into that room, they are on a rescue mission. The same thing is true of our God today and this morning. He is on a rescue mission. He always has been. He's always been coming after you and after me and actually after humanity on what we would like to say a rescue mission this morning. Now, here's the thing. You might say to me this morning, well, I don't know what I need rescuing from. I feel like I'm doing pretty good in my life. I think it seems to be going all right. What are you talking about rescue mission? Why would I care about whether God is on a rescue mission or not? 
Well, let me tell you this. All the way back in Genesis, there's this moment uh, where God created humanity. In fact, what it says in scripture is that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, I will just tell you what that means. That means that you weren't created like the animals or any other part of creation. Instead, you were created to have relationship with the living God. You were giving reason and logic, the ability to have relationship with God. You were created in God's image. And that's, by the way, why we value every human being. Regardless of economics or the color of their skin or what country they're from, Whatever, they, whatever their political beliefs are, right? We value humanity because humanity, all humans, were created in the image of God. Now, take, take a minute here for a second. The Bible back in Genesis also says there's a moment where God comes and he walks with Adam in the garden. Now, we can assume that wasn't the first time. There's probably other times that God came and, and walked with Adam in the garden. Just go there for a minute in your mind. Think about that for a second. Walking with the living God who who desired relationship with me, by the way, in perfect peace with him. Those feelings that sometimes you have, like God doesn't care about, God doesn't want to hear what I've got going on, right? Or I've gone so far away from God, he doesn't want to walk with me. Take all those feelings away and just know that God wants to be there right there with you. And he makes that known to you as you're walking in the garden in perfect peace with him. By the way, also, in that garden, in that moment, there's no sin. There's no brokenness. There's no hurting. There's no cancer. There's no death. There's no struggles at work. Right? That you're just actually able to dwell with God in perfect peace in your life and in your relationship with him. How many of you guys want to go to that moment right now? (laughs) Right? I mean, think about that garden moment where God comes and just walks, and when you're in his presence, you know his love. You know his love for you, his compassion for you, his desire to be with you. You know that perfectly. I want to go there now and a thousand times tomorrow, right? All the time, I want to spend time in that moment. But you all know what happens after that, right? There's a moment where, where man, humanity, decides, hey, actually, we're going to go our own way. And, and sin enters into the world. There's a decision that gets made that brings sin into the world. And with that sin comes brokenness, comes hurting and suffering and pain. I don't know if they knew all that they were getting into, but as they chose to follow someone other than God, brokenness and sin enters into the picture And you have only to go to social media today to see the level of brokenness, right? I I, I say that halfway kidding, but if you do go on social media and you see the way people talk to each other and treat each other, and and even over what seems like simple phrases, they they will accuse each other and and, and be harsh and critical of each other. And and I I would only say that it's a barometer of where we're at today as a culture. But I would just tell you, that is a result of brokenness. And, 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 and the way that we treat each other is a result of sin and the consequences of it. And I think we all look forward to that day where that does not exist anymore, right? Where perfect love and perfect peace reign in our relationship with each other and in our relationship with God. But sin enters into the, the garden that moment, 
where that decision is made. And we could blame Adam and Eve. It was their fault, right? They fault. But we've made decisions just like they have made decisions to step away from God at times in our own life, to make decisions that are contrary to his truth and who he is. And brokenness begins to reign. Even in our own lives, we've tasted it. Now, I would just say in that moment, if I'm God, I would have looked at Adam and Eve and I would have said, what in the world? Right? Man, Adam, we used to walk together in perfect peace. I created you in my image so that we could have communion and relationship, that you could live in perfect love and peace with humanity and with me. And look what you did. How could you have made that decision? I, I liken it a little bit. I don't know how many of you guys have ever had a dog before. Anybody ever have a dog? Right? You love the cute little dog. He's so cute. But what does that dog oftentimes do? Chews things up. Goes on the floor. Right? That dog is so imperfect. And there's times when you feel like, I am going to strangle you. Right? I love you, but I'm going to strangle you. Especially when, when our dog was a puppy. Like she always punished us when we left by chewing at least one thing up and leaving it on our living room floor. It was almost like, you know what happens when you leave? I'm chewing something up and it'll be waiting for you when you get home, whether it was shoes or whatever. And there's a moment that you get in the flesh and you're like, I'm going to kill you, right? Why would you do this? And I'm so surprised that that's not the heart of God. It's not the heart of God. That frustration and anger that we feel, he didn't feel. In fact, you know what he did? He says, listen, there's got to be punishment. So there's punishment for humanity, the sin of humanity. There's going to be punishment. There are consequences to sin. But soon after that, he makes a promise that soon after the sin incurs, he actually makes a promise to humanity. And as he's dishing out the punishment, he punishes Satan. He says, listen, you're the enemy, and I'm going to punish you. And this is the promise that he makes both to Satan and to humanity. Here's what it says. And this is, by the way, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 at the very beginning of our scripture. Genesis chapter 3, sin has just entered into the world, and here's God's promise. Look what he says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking about the, the snake, the Satan. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who's the he in that? Somebody help me. Jesus. Jesus is the promised one that will come and destroy the work of the enemy and redeem humanity. In fact, this could be one of the first early Christmas passages that we see this promise that God makes to humanity that, you know what? I'm going to restore you. Even though you broke it, even though you chewed it up, even though you took away the thing that was the most awesome blessing you could have ever had, even though you ruined it, I'm going to restore it. In fact, here's the deal. I'm a rescuer. By nature, that's who God is. God is a rescuer. He is the Navy SEAL who goes into the darkness and the brokenness and the confusion, and he says, come and follow me out of the darkness. Do you know God is as rescuer? I feel like sometimes people think God is the angry, uh, vengeful, he's making things bad in my life, God. 
He's stealing me away from the things of the world, the fun that I'm having, and he's the God who's so stiff and tight and whatever. But in reality, I would just want you to know this morning that God is the rescuer. He is the redeemer. He is the one who's going to restore us back into relationship with him again. And you might say, well, where do you get that from? (laughs) Where do you get this idea that God is the rescuer? And I would just tell you, in all of scripture, (laughs) that's where I get it. As you read through the Old Testament, God is continually, continually rescuing. Well, what do you mean by that? With Noah, right? It it says in scripture that man got so bad, so evil, that all the thoughts were evil all the time, all of humanity. That their thoughts were evil all the time. And so what does he do? He says, listen, I'm going to leave a remnant in Noah and his family. I'm going to restore humanity. I'm going to save humanity from themselves. So the flood comes, and Noah's on the ark, and he's protected, and he's saved. And then what does God do at the end of that flood when the flood waters are gone? What does he give Noah? Somebody help me. A rainbow, a promise to say, listen, I'm a God of a faithful God, a God who's true to his promises. I will never send a flood again to ruin all of humanity. In fact, Noah, I'm showing this. I'm promised to you. And then he has Abraham, who Abraham gets called out of the darkness, out of the culture. Why? Because God is going to do something special through Abraham. He's going to bring about the seed that would restore all of humanity back to him again. And with Abraham, he says, listen, Abraham, I'm going to give you land, seed, and blessing. He says, I'm going to give you a promised land where your people will live. I'm going to give you generation after generation after generation throughout all of human history. Generation after generation. And listen, I'm going to give you blessing. Those that bless you will be blessed, and those that curse you will be, somebody help me, cursed. That's right. You guys are biblical scholars. He says, good job. I'm going to curse those who curse you. In fact, my hand is going to be upon you, Abraham. And then he says, listen, I'm going to establish my people Israel through you, Abraham. That actually Israel throughout the Old Testament is God's presence on the face of the earth in so many ways. They they are to be a people called by his name. That they are to all the nations around them to represent Yahweh. That God is the one who is, is with these people. And how they respond is important to God, right? And so God says, listen, I'm going to save you out of captivity. I'm going to use Moses, a sort of savior figure, who's going to come in. And I'm going to speak to him in the burning bush. And and through the plagues, And I'm going to save my people out of Egypt. Why? Because that's who I am. I'm a rescuer, God says. All the time throughout scripture, we see God as a rescuer. Someone who's going to save his people. And then look at God dwells with his people, even in the desert. He continually provides for them and gives them them direction on where they should go until he leads them to what land do we call it? Which land is he going to? The promised land. Abraham, I'm going to give you land. Abraham, all the way back near in Genesis. I'm going to give your people land. Here's this promised land. Come and dwell in this land. And then God says, listen, I'm not even going to just let you go. I'm I'm going to keep holding on to you. Even when you, Israel, make decisions to follow after other gods, even when you chase after other nations, even when you don't honor me, I am still going to honor you. I'm still going to rescue you 
in the face of your enemies. And I'm going to draw you to a place of relationship with me. So when someone says, well, how do you get this idea that God cares about me? That God wants to rescue me? I would just say, turn to the text of scripture and look throughout all these opportunities, all these times where God is redeeming and saving, redeeming and saving. And then he kind of breaks open this little window, this little door for us to look into. And he does something that that is so amazing, incredible, uh, awe-inspiring, that in about 700 years prior to Christmas, to Jesus coming, he speaks through this prophet by the name of Isaiah. And with Isaiah, he says, listen, I'm going to give you a little tidbit of my plan. I'm going to give you a little bit more than, than a burning bush, than parting of the Red Sea, than speaking from Mount Sinai. I'm going to give you a little bit something more personal, in fact. And here's what he says to Isaiah. In Isaiah 9-6, here's what he says. Here's my plan, because I'm a rescuer. It's what I do. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will become, will be, we called what? Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want you to hear those names again because this is not any normal king. This isn't any normal governor. That in fact what God is saying here is something altogether special and unique and powerful. Listen to the names of this child that's going to be born. Wonderful. Counselor. What's that next one? Mighty God. Everlasting, forever and everlasting father. And this word, this idea of prince of peace, what did they have in the garden? What is God trying to bring them back to? Peace. That God, in fact, is restoring his, self, his people, his humanity, and his creation, and he's bringing them back to perfect peace. How? By this child that was born. Look what else he says in Isaiah of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, how long? Even forever. I will just tell you there's moments, because you might say, well, I don't see perfect peace now. There's, perf- there's perfect peace now in our relationship with God. There can be peace, as we sang about this morning, in your own home, even amidst the struggles. But there is a moment coming when Jesus returns where there will be perfect peace forever and ever and ever. That we will walk like Adam did with our God in the garden. Well, there would be no more sickness and death and brokenness. That's what he's saying, forevermore. And listen who's going to accomplish this. Who's going to do all this? How in the world could this possibly happen? Who do I put my trust in that this is going to happen? Look what it says. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God is going to do it. Well, what's God going to do to do it? How is he going to bring peace into our homes and our lives? How is he going to rescue us from sin? How is he going to restore us? Well, thankfully, Isaiah says this. Again, God opening that little window into salvation and truth. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And what they're going to call him? They're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means what? 
God with us. That God is coming to dwell with us. Why? Because it's who he is. He's a rescuer. He comes into the difficult, dark situations and he rescues. Well, you might then say, okay, I get it. Emmanuel, God with us. God was with Moses in the burning bush. He was with Moses when he went to the top of Mount Sinai. God was with him there, right? We see God uh, leading his people in a pillar of fire and a cloud in the desert. We see God show up in various ways in the Old Testament. So I get it. God is with us. I believe God is with us now. So what do you mean God will be with us? What does that mean, Emmanuel, God with us? And, and I would just take you then, I believe, to what I think is the most incredible salvation story, rescue story ever. And I know many of you are like, I haven't turned in my Bible anywhere this morning. Like, I kind of want to turn somewhere in my Bible. Matthew chapter 1. Would you turn me to Matthew chapter 1? Matthew chapter 1. And as you're turning there, what I think is most incredible about Emmanuel, God with us, that he's going to come and live and dwell amongst us. He's the, the Navy SEAL who gets down with the people, the hostages that day, and puts his arms around them on their level. What I think is most amazing about that is we don't actually, any of us, like to do some of the things that we are called that we have to do. In fact, anybody like to do dishes? Anybody like dishes, doing dishes? No? How about doing the washing? Anybody like doing the washing of the clothes? Mowing the lawn? Anybody like mowing? No. There are a list of things in our home that I don't like to do. There's things at your work that you don't like to do. So you know what you do? You have kids, and you're like, <laughs> you do those things. That's why I had kids so I didn't have to do any dishes or laundry or the lawn, any of those things. So you have kids because you just say, listen, the dirty work, I'm going to let them do, right? Some of you are probably guilty of this at work. It's like, that's why I'm the boss. That's why I got to where I wanted to be. So I didn't have to do some of this paperwork anymore, right? This difficult stuff or things I don't like. Here's the incredible thing about our God. It's not that he sends an angel. It's not that he uses a bunch of miracles, although he does do those things. But he says, listen, actually, I'm going to come and dwell with you. I'm going to come and do the dirty work. And, and by the way, I'm God, <laughs> right? I'm the creator of all things. I'm the one that makes the rules. And yet, listen, I'm willing to come and walk amongst you. That's what Emmanuel, God with us, means. And so look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I tricked some of you, but it's going to be up here as well. But I wanted you to turn somewhere that way you can underline it in your Bibles. Somewhere. somewhere, somewhere in there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Take a look at this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child, and catch this, of the Holy Spirit. So this is not a normal child. This is not a normal conception of a child that actually God has gotten involved here in a major way. The third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a part of this. That God is showing up here in this moment. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man 
and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secret. In other words, she was pregnant, and that day that would have been a huge deal, dishonoring, because it wasn't his kid. And he thought, listen, I'm not going to make a big deal of this. I, he probably has affections towards Mary, and I'm just gonna, we're just going to separate the union. But listen to what happens. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in here, who we are again, is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will, check this out, save his people from their sins. Not save his people from Rome, but actually going right to the heart of the matter he is going to rescue his people from their sins. When he does that, he will restore you back into relationship with the living God again. The thing that you're missing in your life, the thing that's broken in your life, Jesus is coming to say, listen, I'm going to heal that sin problem in humanity, and I'm going to call them to come back and follow me again, to walk in that garden again with me in holiness and peace and righteousness. Look what he says. He will save his people from their sins. Joseph, that's what's going to happen. Emmanuel, God with us. God is showing up in a big way. And then look what he says. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Who was the prophet again? Isaiah, right? We just read it 700 years earlier. God opened that door, that window for us to look into his plan. And Matthew's now writing and saying, this is the fulfillment. This child that's coming, he is, look what it says. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. We just read that. And bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which Matthew thankfully says, which translated is God with us. This child is the fulfillment of Isaiah 700 years earlier and is God with us. Not an angel showing, not a prophet, that he actually is God with us, dwelling with humanity. Is that incredible? Isn't that amazing? That when we think about Christmas, he is worth preparing for. That, that all the other things that go along with Christmas, they can be fun, but is it not more important that we celebrate who we are in Christ, that God actually comes and dwells amongst humanity, amongst us? Now, somebody may say, well, well, how do you know? Like, how do you know that Jesus is God? How do you know that he is the physical essence of God living and dwelling amongst us? And I would turn you to this scripture right here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 Look what it says here. Take this in. He is the image of the invisible God. Just pause on that for a moment. Jesus is the image of the invisible God dwelling amongst us. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. Pause. Look at that. By him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, both things that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. 
And he is before all things, and guess what? In him all things consist. Some translations say hold together. Isn't that incredible? You mean in this little baby that comes and maybe is in a manger scene in your house, right? That when you look at this child, what you're looking at is he's the, the image of the invisible God come, put on human flesh, and walked amongst us. Both fully God and fully man. I want to give you just one more because I love the Bible so much. And there's so many more, but I, and I get all geeked up over it. I totally get it. But it's like, man, look who Jesus is. Look at this one. John 1.1, 1, 1, and many of you know this. But listen to what he says. John says this. In the beginning was the word. Who's the word? According to John, he's Jesus, right? Jesus is the word. So wherever you see the word, you can insert Jesus into it. So in the beginning was the word. Who is Jesus? And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then you drop down in your text of verse 14 in John chapter 1, and here's what it says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word that was with God and was God, it was creator of all things, put on flesh and dwelt amongst us. And John says, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. That's an incredible reality. What we find in Jesus is that he is the real deal. He's the genuine article. And you know what I mean by that? I mean that he is fully God in all ways. In all his essence, he is God. And you know what the difference between genuine and fake is, right? That, that there are products that you can buy that are both genuine and some that are fake, right? And I don't know if you can see this or not, but I saw this one. Top left, it says Game Boy. The fake is Game Child, <laughs> right? Don't buy the Game Child. You don't know exactly what you're getting. How many of you guys have ever bought something that uh, you thought was genuine, but it ended up being fake? Anybody want to, okay, couple people. This is, that was probably not the most ex exciting question. Uh, very few people raised their hand in all the services. They're like, some of them are like this. That uh, was me. I fell for it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever bought something knowing that it wasn't the real deal, but you're like, there's no way I'm paying for the real deal? Anybody done that before? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do, right? That, that actually, we buy the knockoff, and we just hope it lasts a little bit longer than what it should. Here's the reality. When you buy the knockoff, whether you know it or not, it's probably not going to last as long, and it's probably not made out of the same material, right? That it's not going to last because it's not made out of the good stuff. Let me just tell you, Jesus is made out of the good stuff. That he is, his essence and all that he is, is God. It is deity. It is the one living God. So when you talk about Jesus, we're talking about the genuine article and the real thing, which is why I said at the very beginning that we can anchor our souls to him because he is the beginning, the end. He'll be there till the, fall, the very end of time, right, with us and for us. And this morning, what I'm hoping is that you're learning this quality or characteristic about our God, is that he's a rescuer, that he's actually for you and not against you, that he desires relationship with you. 
And here's why I want to close this morning. I got one more text that I, I just feel like, man, I got to, I got to read it. We got to read this text because this is the Christmas text, right? It, it's in Philippians. And you might be thinking, that, that's not one of the gospels, so how is it the Christmas text? But it's in Philippians and it's in chapter 2. And Paul's writing to the, the church at Philippi and he wants them to know who Jesus is. And one of the qualities about who he is as a savior, as a rescuer, and here's what he says to him, to them. He says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, think about that, being in the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. What did he do to make himself, who is God, of no reputation? Here's what he did. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He actually goes even further. Here's what he did. He says, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The, one of the worst forms of punishment. So what you're telling me this morning, Jeff, is that God comes from heaven to earth, puts on humanity. By the way, he's the creator of all things. He's the one that makes the rules. And yet he's willing to walk amongst us. And even to the point of suffering, and even to the point of death, why? Because he loves you and because he loves me. And he desires for us to one day walk with him in perfect peace and perfect love with each other, I believe, and also with him. And there's coming a day when he will do that. Will he restore all of humanity back to himself again? Because that's who he is. He's a rescuer. In fact, Paul goes on to say this. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, and that's Jesus this is good news, by the way. And given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why he comes. That's why he restores, and that's why he rescues. Here's the thing. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, then you should be the one that says, man, there is no greater news at Christmas time than talking about God coming and dwelling amongst us. I want my kids to know. I want my grandkids to know. I want my roommates to know. I want the people at work to know why I celebrate Christmas and why it is such an anchor to my soul that while everything else can go up and down, I have only to go back to think that in Romans 8, Romans, sorry, yeah, Romans 8.31, God is for us and not against us. That God is for us and not against us. Here's what Romans 8.31 says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That in other words, what he's saying there is God is for you. As you put your faith and trust in him, things are going to go up and down, but you can rely and trust in the rock who is Jesus. And maybe this morning you're thinking to yourself, I've never heard this about God before. 
that, that actually I grew up in a home where God was against me and definitely not for me. It felt like he was angry with me all the time. And when I messed up, I always got the, got the punishment, right? And, and maybe this morning for the first time you're hearing that actually God loves you deeply. That, that all the way back in the garden, even when his own kids messed up, that he was like, I got a promise that I'm going to give you. I'm going to restore you back into relationship with me again. And that's the desire he has for you, that, that you would know him and walk with him and that you would come to love this God who loves you and is a rescuer. Amen? Amen. Here's what I want to do. I want to close uh, with, our, with our worship team coming back out. And I want to close with this song. Now, the song is so perfect for the message. And, and I get it. Maybe some of you aren't there right now. But I want you to, even if you don't sing it out, I want you to at least look at the words and come alongside of that. And maybe the song for you this morning will be affirmation. Oh, that is my God, right? He is my rock on which I stand. But maybe for some of you, maybe those people who don't know the Lord all that well, you would say, that's the God I want to follow. That it would be a way for you to declare for yourself, I want to be, I want to know that God. I want to know him and walk with him. Let's pray. God, this morning, as we close with this song, Lord, would you speak to us, continue to speak to us, direct our hearts closer to you, Lord, as our rescuer, as our salvation, as the one who loves us deeply to cross the great divide and bring us to you through the power of Jesus' name through his death on the cross, through his sacrifice. And now we're going to sing about you, Lord, because we love you. But would you be glorified in this place this morning? Amen. This has been a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel Huntington Beach. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com or call 714-891-9495.